Awesome date. June 29th, 2009. Awesome topic. Plug her in and she'll turn you on. This is the Awesome Cast. Folks, it's actually the awesome cast. Woohoo! It's finally us. We're back again. I'm Basil. Ah, sorry. <laughs> I'm Kevin. And I'm Douglas. And I'm sitting in the center of the group, which is why I come out louder than both of them this time around, even though I'm usually softer. And that's us. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. We things kept happening. People kept getting sick and improvised and whatever and but we're back schedules were shattered people were ill shit happened but we finally said screw it we're doing this and we're doing this an epic podcast three weeks in the making yes oh man this is so hot this is so awesome you're gonna wet your pants just listening to it this isn't detroit metal city okay no it's not it's not that good but (laughs) you know Whatever. We put a lot of... Well, we didn't really put a lot of work into it. I mean, I watched the anime a couple of times after I've been a hardcore fan of the anime for quite some time. But I guess, theoretically, I put a lot of work into it. I mean, I put more work into it than I usually do. Does that count? Yes. Yes. Okay, awesome. Okay. Well, in theory, James has already put up the awesome crap about Dragon Ball Evolution, so you know that the Dragon Ball contest is over. We're now having our new contest. We decided we want to try out possibly doing some awesome casts on books, novels, literature, what have you. And so our contest sort of encouraged people to write to us, tell us what kind of books they'd like us to read, what they think is awesome. One of our local authors, K.E. Ireland, has published her first book called uh, Playing the Hero. It's a self-published book. You can actually buy your own copy at the uh, natanfleetshow.com. We've got two copies we're giving away. All you have to do is send us an email at awesomecast at gmail.com and talk to us kind of books you like to read. And, you know, we'll probably check them out. A couple of general rules. No Twilight. We've already set our official stance as unintentionally amusing. And no Laurel K. Hamilton past book four. Fair enough. Fair enough. What about Terry Pratchett? Terry Pratchett allowed? Terry Pratchett is relevant. The only person on the awesome cast who dislikes Terry Pratchett would be the Basil. Well, I actually honestly haven't read that much Terry Pratchett, but I people tell me it's interesting. If they could read, recommend me a funny book by him. Ooh. Thud. Go read Thud. Burn. Okay, but... But anyways, you can recommend them. And we'll try them out. 
And nothing where Anne Rice wrote it under a pseudonym. Well, I won't, because I'm incredibly finicky when it comes to books. But other people will try it out. Maybe and... by chance you'll tell us one Douglas has already read. <laughs> and yet Douglas reads Terry. Anyways, moving on. That's just a... That's just a flame wars within the podcast way to happen. Um, yeah, so we're going to also... We have our voicemail. Which is a number, which I will find now. And which, speaking of the voicemail, I think it's time that I need to tell you about the contest that we are running for the voicemail. If you are somebody that we do not personally know, you can enter into the contest for our voicemail. All you have to do is leave us a voicemail. You can say anything you want. Literally, anything you want. And for the prize, Douglas will give you head. That's right, I have made several heads and I want to give them to you. Admittedly, they're my failed attempts at making sackboy heads, but they're really creepy and you, you want them. Trust me, you want these heads. You want Douglas's head. You can tell your friends they're possessed by evil spirits and cursed, and they will believe you. Yes, probably. Probably. They're very frightening. I want them out of my house. <laughs> the awesome mine is, area code 206-202-0071. And so those are the, uh, the things that are running the contests, if you will. So you should enter them. Both of them. All of them. Whatever. Hey, Basil. Hey, Douglas. When do I get to interview Troy Baker again? When we attend a con that he's at. Oh, okay. It's probably going to be OhioCon. Yeah, probably. So look for us at OhioCon. Next January. Yeah, that's right. Oh, baby. <laughs> I think actually as far as convention appearances go, we'll probably be hitting up DragonCon. I think I've gotten cleared for that again. Good, good. As I've gone through now two managers about this. Well, I will miss DragonCon, but maybe next year. Maybe next year. You should come to Dragon Con, though. In fact, I'm just going to say I want to go to Dragon Con next year, so expect me to come with you guys. I'm going to highly recommend Dragon Con to all of our listener audience. If you've been to Anime Weekend Atlanta, Anime Weekend Atlanta is a really good anime convention, but Dragon Con adds like a whole new level that they just don't have at a pure anime con. Likewise, if you've been to a nothing but like Star Trek or or Star Wars convention, Dragon Con adds just a whole level to it. It's it's the advantage of going to just a general fandom convention because there are different tracks and there's so much that you can do, there's no way you can possibly spend the day bored. Although I guess if you really tried, if you just sat there, you could. But again, that would be your choice. That said, we're also going to be at AWA as well. So yeah, you know. yeah. I will be at AWA. Yeah, AWA is a great anime convention. I love going to AWA. So, and speaking about awesome things, I guess we'll head henceforth into the world of awesome. Also known as the boring news. Go, Basil! It's the world of awesome, also known as Basil Reed's boring news that he printed off. From other people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey. Oh, yeah. So, do you want to start off, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> well, there is the big one, and I do mean big. I mean 60 feet tall big. That, Made of steel. I guess so. And probably plastic. But, yeah, Sunrise uh, 
has actually built a life-size Gundam statue. 18 meters. 59 feet, if you're not used to that metric measurement that the rest of the world has. It's one-to-one. Yeah, it's one-one. It is huge. It's in Odaiba, and and its head turns. It actually can look up and down. And looks up and down. Like the vents actually blow out like mist and smoke. I'm pretty sure there's just an elaborate plot by Japan to dick with Korea and make them think they're actually building giant robots. (laughs) Well, you know, I've had this theory that Japan is actually building giant robots for years. Like, one of these days, Korea is going to aim a nuke at Japan, and this giant robot is just going to rise up out of the sea and just, like, intercept the missile. And they'll be like, oh, we thought of Star Wars before the Americans. (laughs) You know? I won't disagree with that. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. I mean, that's what's going to happen. They have them. They have them already. They're just Japan, so they're crazy like that. Oh, yeah. It's true. But it's pretty awesome. I wish there was any way I could finagle a trip to Japan to actually see it. But, yeah. (laughs) So we have to sort of suffer with YouTube videos as... Yes. It's glorious. I, I I would really like to see it to get the feel of what an actual... 59-foot giant robot would be like in real life standing next to you. A trip to Japan's only like $3,000. You can save that. Well, I got a third of that. Too bad I have to put a down payment on a car with it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Cars will do that. I can't even drive it to Japan. So what other news do you have, Kevin? Well, um... It's interesting only because I've actually seen this anime, but uh, AD Vision has picked up the license on uh, Central Park Media's, now defunct Central Park Media's, uh, Dark Side Blues, which is based on a manga by the guy who wrote Vampire Hunter D, and is about a mysterious, seemingly magical guy named uh, Dark Side who is, op- opposes the Persona Corporation that controls 99% of the Earth, except for one tiny spot in Shinjuku. Although the movie does come off as one of those slice-of-life um, ensemble pieces with a bunch of people who do stuff, and nothing really changes at the end, except they all have superpowers. And sometimes they turn people into gold. Yeah, that too. But all in all, I'm not going to say it was a good anime, but it was a really interesting anime to watch. Has some of the best uh, Englishy music ever. Yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but it was very interesting to watch, and it's probably actually worth a watch. Don't know if it's worth a buy, but it's definitely worth a watch. I'm sure you will reach that for cheap. Yeah, probably. And, well, that's... Oh, man, the guy who directed Utena is doing an opening animation for something. Woo! Awesome! I love it when used-to-be-famous directors produce an opening for an anime well, that I... we might not know about or be any good. Well, he did story the storyboard the second episode of... Uh... Soul Eater. Soul, no, well, the 29th episode of Soul Absolutely. Eater and the second episode of uh, Die Buster, or Aim for the Top 2 if you prefer. Well, those are both pretty good, but why didn't he actually do an original series? That's a question we've been asking for years. He just hasn't decided to. Eh. Like, he decided he was going to write a book series and do this and do that. He was just like, eh. I think it's one of those things where he doesn't have to, so he doesn't care. Hmm. I do love me some Sailor Moon and Utena, though, so I wouldn't mind if he came back and directed an anime. You know, if you're listening, uh, <laughs> Kunihiko Ikahara, because yeah. I know, you're, I know you're, you're a big fan. If you're totally listening to our In English web broadcast. Yeah. You never know 
We love Utena. We get listeners. Hey, he may be one of the people who decides that he wants Douglas's head. Yeah, it's true. That'd be awesome. And he's done, you have to ship it to Japan He's now. done work on... Uh, he did the opening, first opening to Nodama Cantabile, which was an awesome opening, so... Yeah, I, that's an anime I haven't seen, but totally need I to. just don't see the big deal about an opening. It seems like the content of the anime is much more important than an opening theme. I think it's kind of a, a, a guest star kind of aspect. It's like, you know, it's like you have a... It's like lying. It's like lying to the fans. It's like saying, look at this great direction. Doesn't this have such wonderful direction? And then another guy does it. I mean, it does. It almost doesn't matter if the other guy is also awesome and good. Mm. You're, you're promising one thing and then delivering another. And I'm also desperate for this guy's work, so I'll take it wherever I can get it. Yeah, well, I would still prefer it if he had some an actual series. anime. Some anime. It's probably we Oihana. Ah, well. Okay. It's the new anime that's coming out in this uh, summer season mm-hmm. about lesbians. Oh, yeah. I'm there. Cool. It sounds spin? like a show he would direct. Let's watch it. Uh, maybe. Yeah, possibly. It could Spinning happen. in yeah. roses? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a show he'd direct. Let's watch it. <laughs> I mean, you know. It could, it could happen. Yeah, I, I'm out. I don't okay. know who else wants to... Your turn, Basil. Who else has news? Okay, the publishing block. Apparently, some on-demand printer has decided, F you, Yaoi. What? The Global Boys Love publisher, Yaoi Press, has reported that the on-demand docu-copies refused to make copies of its Yaoi coloring book because of the nudity of this file. They apparently, um... They've used this actually before. This actual group, it's actually one of the ones that they actually have recommended before right. to print stuff. Um, it was listed as a uh, how to print a comic book or a Gucci cheap guide. Right. It's one of the best places to go, but the, they were like, um, and they were pretty much like, hey, uh, there's a number of pages we find disturbing and do not want to put our employees in the same position printing this book for you. The question is, if there were boobs and not dicks, would they care? Who knows? I, I just found it kind of interesting that they've done this before. Yeah. And now, like, oh, wait, wait a minute. I, a yellowy a yellow coloring book. That, is not, that sounds perfectly harmless. I don't know what they're talking about. I can kind of see it. I mean, people do kind of do something go, well, maybe this one time it won't be so bad, or maybe won't the first couple of times it flies under the radar. And eventually it catches up to the corporate, and they decide that. They don't like the cock and the butt, which is lame because everybody should like the cock. Maybe not in the butt, maybe not necessarily, but at the very least, you should like the cock. You have to respect the cock. I mean, I mean, God, yeah. Maybe it's just they didn't like the idea of people like putting pencils on top of them. I can to color them in. Yeah. So I mean, you're taking part of the cock. Hmm. Still, it's kind of. What? Most people kind of fail at coloring the cock. I just want to say that, too. Mm. Like, cocks are different, doujinshi drawers. Learn to draw different cocks. There's a whole wide variety of them. I know! They come in all different shapes and sizes. Different gradients. Different hues. There's a spectrum of flaccidity and erectile... A veritable <laughs> rainbow of erection. I mean, <laughs> what are we going for here? I don't know. Move along. Move along. Move along. So, about, not about penises. So, apparently, Dojin work creator Hiroyuki has announced he's overseeing production of a brand new magazine called Comet Gear, which will be launching in August. What they're planning on doing is they're going to be taking a completely different approach 
to uh, manga as it's normally made. Mm. Normally what they do is an editor and a manga creator will develop a manga over um, many series of one-to-one meetings. And usually a lot of the comic, comic guys will do it in their own personal studio or even in their home. This one, no, no, no. They're going to have everyone together in one building making these comic books together. Interesting. Which is kind of like how, you know, like Marvel and DC do it. Well, That's kind of sad. We know the trouble they get into. (laughs) And the idea is that they'll be able to, like, you know... Mass produce? uh, Shoot ideas off each other. Uh, Oh, yeah. Well, the idea is that they'll still be doing their own personal things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They'll be doing it in the same room together. As long as they aren't, like, you know, writing a manga and then, like, replace the writer with some other guy and then he totally destroys continuity and everyone cries, like Marvel and DC do. Well, that, that's going to be the trick, is if, if they can actually pull that off, or if and that's what's going yeah. to end up happening. I, I have no objection to them sitting around and bouncing ideas off each other, because they might come up with awesome things. Well, that's how a lot of... If you've ever taken an art class, you should know that you're not actually supposed to learn anything from the teacher. I mean, it's great if you do, but mostly the people that you learn from are actually the other people in your class. And so, in that regards, this is probably a good thing. However, the comparison to what they're doing being sort of like Marvel and DC. Well, Marvel and DC have their good points and have some really good, strong things, and it has allowed them to be uh, industrial survivors in a market that's kind of failing. They're not really the best for new people branching out to express themselves creatively. So it's going to be interesting how it turns out. Yeah. It could be a really, really good thing, or it could turn out to be a really, really bad thing. We'll, we'll just have to see. Move along. I think it'll so. be good. And you know how we, t- we mentioned that, you know, this has stopped doing um, Shoujo Beat. Those bastards. The, uh, and the uh, Shoujo Anthology, they're printing kind of like Shonen Jump, but for Shoujo stuff. Where will I get my sweet Lolita fashion tips now? I don't know, isn't Kevin. Like, you don't need them. Isn't that Lolita fashion bible? You don't need them, well, Kevin. Well, maybe, but I was just being, making a silly statement. I actually really don't care. But <laughs> Anywho, they've actually decided to do something different. Um, they've actually put out this thing called Icky. It is an online um, anthology mm. thing. What they're doing, it's a brand new website. It's called Icky. It's based off um, Shigakuken's ma- um, manga magazine named at Young Men. And pretty much what they're doing is they're using this sort of a springboard to um, put out various manga they don't know if that would do well in America at first. If it does well online, then they'll put out an actual, you know, graphic novels and stuff. But the uh, stuff they're putting out is, you know, online for free. You can read, you know, the first several chapters as they're putting them out in English. Interesting. They're first starting off with um, Children of the Sea by uh, Daisuke um, Igarashi. They also put up an interview with the person, and it's pretty good so far. Children of the Sea. It's like, if you like ocean and... Children. Children, you're doing ocean-type stuff. It's so it's kind of like what it says on the box. Yeah, it kind of is. Okay. But it's kind of interesting is, Sojo Beat was sort of their thing where they would put out, you know, stuff to see what would do well, and then they would put that stuff out in graphic novel form. I thought it was just to have, like, try to market shojo manga, but... <laughs> well, it was, but the stuff that did really well, they would actually put, put out, out graphic novels, novels and... Yeah. What happened is people tended to buy the graphic novels, not so much the... Shoujo Beat. Shoujo Beat, and so... Yeah, I can see that. This seems much more an intelligent way of doing things. Man, I thought Shoujo Beat had it made when I saw copies show up at my Walmart. Oh, well. 
So I'm, I'm what they put out currently has been very interesting. Mm-hmm. I want to see more of it, and I think this is a much better idea. Yeah, than because we'll a lot of you know internet nerds out there and anime fans are yeah. internet nerds. Yeah, they're much more tech savvy than your average. Yep, Joe, right. so and uh, online media is becoming a rapidly uh, blossoming. Way to the future, yeah, man. I mean, way I I spend way too much time on Hulu. I know that. Uh, and then Viz is also putting out um, sci-fi novels now. Sci-fi. It's actually the. Uh, it's their imprint called Hikasoru. Uh, it's apparently Hikasoru. supposed to be the new High Castle of mm-hmm. Japanese science fiction. They're putting out with Japanese sci-fi. Um, two novels in July and two novels in September. Uh, all you need, all you, uh, July, we're getting, we're getting. All you need is kill. All you need is kill. And the Lords of the Sands of Time. You know, I don't know if those those don't have to be good. They sound totally badass. I'm going to buy them and read them. I don't know. All you need is kill. Sounds pretty lame, but the Castles of the Sands of Time. That sounds. That sounds. Bitchy. That, that is, sounds epic. This is an awesome excerpt for All You Need Is Kill. The Full Metal Bitch. I've heard stories. A war junkie always chasing the action. No matter where it led her. Word had it that she and her special forces squad from the U.S. Army had chopped up. Half of all confirmed mimic kills ever. Might, might be anyone who could see it at that much fighting and live to tell about it really was the angel of death. Still carrying the battle axe and blazing red jacket started towards me. Its hand reached down and fumbled for the jack of my shoulder plate. Contact calm. Come on, I mean, so that sounds totally gritty and, and hard hitting. The boss it from Full Metal, from um, awesome Metal when Solid you read 3. it, but you could read anything in that voice, and It'd it would be sound. awesome. Oh. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Oh my God, Basil, you have to do that. You <laughs> Basil, have to do that. That's Basil what, reads Tale of Two Cities. Screw this awesome cast thing. You should just like read books on tape in the Metal Gear Solid voice. <laughs> that would totally break his voice. <laughs> what? Oh God. <laughs> It would just that would break David Hayter's voice. Yeah, it would, that'd be that'd Metal be bad. Laurie kind of wanted to cough, but anyways, it's looking pretty interesting. I'm definitely going to be checking out all these books as they come out because you know, two a month, I can afford that. Why not? And, and I thought it was interesting that they're trying to actually put out science fiction by the Japanese and American yeah. actual novels. If we buy enough of it, we might get Legend of the Galactic Heroes, and that's all that really matters. Well, and you know, Tokyo Pop has sort of stopped putting out the uh, Full Metal Panic novels, so... Fuck them. Why? Fuck them in the ass. They can't afford it. But they're so good. They were kick-ass. Screw you, Tokyo Pop. Yeah, well, they haven't put it out in a while, and right now there's no visible plans for them to do such. I- I'm busy killing Kevin over here. I'm being well, stabbed stop, stop by paper. I've, I've been killing Kevin, like, the whole podcast long. Like, you guys missed it. There's a period of time where Basil was just talking for a long period of time, and me and Kevin were kind of quiet. That's because I was sitting here with a piece of paper trying to intentionally give Kevin a paper cut along one of his veins. Douglas is a little inebriated this evening. <laughs> and all Douglas needs is kill, apparently. <laughs> Well, time to put your news to the test. Okay, my news that I want to tell you about was actually printed off by Basil from different other websites that he didn't actually write. He basically just took somebody else's news, so none of this is exclusive. You can all find this somewhere else. In fact, most (laughs) of it looks like it comes from, uh, I've got something from 2chan here... Anime, anime.jp, oh, oh, and two channel again. Oh, oh, here's, here's, here's the secret. 
All anime news comes from Anime News Network. All of it. it is. All of it. All of oh. it. And all podcasts that use anime news take it from this source. This is not new. This is not revolutionary. It's just what we do. Well, yeah, it's still reading somebody else's news. But anyhow, reading somebody else's news, GTO Shonan, 14 days marks return of great teacher Onizuka. Which, I really feel that I have to read that off for Eric, who couldn't be here tonight. He's a big GTO fan. And so basically, summarizing it up, we're getting a new GTO. So now this is where this is the part where we comment about it and add our own touch to the actual news that was just previously read. Yeah, which makes it different and interesting. And the other uh-huh. thing is that darker <laughs> so, than black, the TV anime sequel just got greenlit. Which I guess re- just reading the title out here means that they're going to put a new darker than black on black well, a- yes, anime because coming. Well, sometime last year, someone leaked information that. Both a new Full Metal and a new Darker Than Black were being made by Bones. Oh then, man, this is awesome. I've got the piece of paper and it's still like Basil's reading it. <laughs> just so you know, I'm getting a death clear here. I just want to... <laughs> Douglas dislikes the news portion. <laughs> yeah, Douglas dislikes the news portion. So, so we're done. <laughs> so we'll move on straight on into a moment. Of awesome. Which is what the news section originally should have been. It's a moment of awesome. I love your falsetto, Kevin. I took years training that falsetto. It's, uh, it's all my years of opera background. So what's your moment of awesome? Well, for one, I'd like to talk about this awesome beer stein that my friend Barry got from Germany for me. It's really freaking awesome. <laughs> So are we taking pictures to put on the line so people can actually see this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you do know, that. it's an auditory medium. Do you have a camera with you? No. I don't either. Well, then, I, I, guess, I'm have... j- I guess I'm just going to have to describe it. I don't even have a D- my DSI. We're just, you know. It's got screwed. an awesome bird on the front. I'm done. Yeah, it's got an awesome bird. It's black. It's got little um, viney things on it. And the awesome badass bird. Like, most anything you see that's German has a badass bird. It's that bird. I, I highly recommend that people uh, that people who drink beer drink it from a beer stein. It doesn't really make the beer taste better, but it just adds something to the experience. It looks awesome. I, I could not. We could not refrain from commenting on the awesomeness of the beer stein. All right, so Kevin. I don't have awesome. You have class of heroes. You shut up. Oh yeah, I do. I do have class of heroes. You actually experience new things. I did. (laughs) I've been playing class of heroes from Atlas. It's um, it's wizardry yet again from Atlas. You create a party of uh, up to six adventurers, wander your happy ass in the dungeons, kill monsters, get money, or more likely get slaughtered in your first encounter and have to make six new characters because their corpses are now somewhere in the dungeon and you don't can't get them back. And, yeah, unless you send some guys down there to find their corpses and bring it back. What about cheating? You know, where you turn the game off after you fail miserably? I totally totally have done that. Because even if you do get out of the dungeon with people, you may not be able to resurrect them. Sometimes they turn to ash. Then you get another chance to resurrect them. And if that fails, they're dead, gone for good. And anything Mm. they were carrying, which blows more sometimes. But um, it's unique from other sort of wizardry titles in that the setting is actually a school where they're training you to be a hero. Quests come in the form of lessons. 
which I'm amused how the first lessons always start as just a lecture, and you're like, oh, well, that was free experience. That's great. Second lesson is like, now wander your ass into the deep bowels of this dungeon and um, find this monster I'm putting here for you to kill. Never mind, there's about 500 other monsters you'll have to kill on the way and varying levels of difficulty, but yeah. It's uh, it's cute, and it actually has a bit of a plot, which is surprising in this genre. No. It, it doesn't have a plot, does it? Just a little bit. Oh, man. Yeah. That's epic. Evil Not a whole wizard. lot. <laughs> you know, usual evil wizard conquering the world, you know, magical creatures you have to kill in the dungeons that are hidden, and keys you must find to get down there, that kind of shit. Of course, yeah. then also sometimes you fight skeletons in varsity jackets, just because they thought that would be funny. I've been listening to a new band recently oh. called The Phenomenots. They are awesome and amazing and win. They're actually rec- to, recommended to me by a friend of mine named Franco. He actually works at Hot Topic. This is important that he can't actually, you can't actually buy this music at Hot Topic. It's a little bit that indie. <laughs> I thought Hot Topic was supposed to sell music that was indie. It does, but this is music from California, where, and it's not big enough to reach over here yet. Hot Topic like oh. Probably the Hot Topics over in California probably sell their CDs. Hot Topic oh. only sells trendy indie music. Oh, I see. <laughs> I don't I know. I, I'm negative on Hot Topic, so maybe I shouldn't get started on that right oh, now. Oh, man, guys. I was misled for so many years. You see, for a long time, I did not know that Hot Topic was all about the music. I thought that Hot Topic was all about the nerd memorabilia. And, and so I thought that Hot Topic was a giant nerd store, so I had no uh, like understanding why people were like, oh, that came from Hot Topic. Eh. And I'm like, what? You can get Mario stuff from there. You can get Zelda stuff from there. It's awesome. But, uh, but then I was actually talking to... My sister got hired there, and she was working there. And she made the comment that, you know the saying, it's all about the music. And I just looked at her, and I was like, really? That's the saying? He's like, yeah, don't you know it's all the band t-shirts? I go, no. No, I'm too busy looking at the the Mario t-shirts and anime anime t-shirts. That's because you're a decent soul. (laughs) You're good at heart. This guy, he's actually, he's he's honestly got a giant music fan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and he he turned me on to this band. And there's this outfit out of, you know, I think near San Francisco. And they're this really weird rockabilly punk rock surf rock thing about rockets and robots and sci-fi. Oh yeah, that was what huh. you played for me. Yeah, that, like one day in your car, they were kind of awesome. Like they do songs that pretty much are like the '50s era sci-fi. If you were to turn them out into like a mo- more modernized punk rock, like you boiled the band. plot down and turned it into song lyrics. For, yeah. like, a rockabilly punk rock song. That's pretty cool. Like, it's 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 unique. They've put out three CDs, so they're all great. You know, they have stuff like Earth's the Best, which is a song about how, like, Earth kicks the ass of all the other planets. It does. We do. Because it has things like microphones. Yeah. Yes. I think yes. that was you, a message of Macross 7, in fact. Yeah. You, you got microphones, Mars? I don't think so. And they're, they're really, really, really fun. And because they're sort of interesting and in that they sort of are relevant to our topic at hand, since robots, we're talking about My Dear Marie, which is a robots. DVD that ADV put out many, many moons ago. But you can't find the music to My Dear Marie at all. No, we can't. So instead, no. we'll be playing relevant phenomenon songs 
in the place of My Dear Murray music. There's a chance you may have heard some already. So, with that, My Dear Marie. Started with a perfect friend. Eyes become positive brain. Made her smile. Made her think I was funny. how I won the Spanish-American War. Good job, Kevin. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. But was it for those Spaniards? Who knows what would have happened. Damn straight. I'm just glad there was an Alpusa in your backpack. Well, yes, that's what turned the tide of battle. It's true. So, oh, anyway. God um, for sporks. Yeah, so, uh, what were we talking about? My Dear Marie. Yes, okay, yeah. Plug her in, and she'll turn you on. Or so ADV said on their old VHS cover. Yeah, ADV, back when they were producing VHS covers, they had this tendency to try to make everything sound like a hentai. They did. Even when it wasn't. Like, My Dear Marie is not a hentai at all. That still didn't stop ADV from making the tagline, plug her in and she'll turn you on. That was like the ultimate expression of the whole thing. That I was like, yeah. you yeah. don't get better than my yeah. dear Marie's. Yeah, that was that was so great. Yes. It's interesting that this is I remember when Kevin first bought his first VHS. Was that a Suncoast back when they existed? They still exist, I think. Not really. I think. Did they I, not? I think there's one in the mall still. Man, I haven't bought anime from an actual... I don't think they are this anymore. I think they're they're all gone. Uh, bought... It's been a long time since I've bought any anime that I didn't order from somewhere or find at an anime con. Yeah, to be honest, I get... I get my anime... The stuff that's not pirated comes from Best Buy, and I feel dirty saying that. But it's true. Okay, all my stuff comes from DeepDiscountDVD.com. Well, that's not as awful as coming from Best Buy. To be fair, most of what I buy is those random trips to anime cons. I'll go, hey, I need a box set of that show, and I'll snag it. Oh, they had a they had a box set, not box set, but they had Mushishi on sale at an anime con, and I totally grabbed that. I mean... Yeah, I mean, sometimes you'll find deals, especially on old stuff. Oh, man, Mushishi. Like, it's hard to find Mushishi because a lot of people don't know quality. Yeah. And so... Best Buy doesn't carry a lot of Mushishi, but, you know, the people at the Anime Con, they knew something that was art. Actually, they did carry Mushishi now because they do it in a box set. Well, good. They finally learned. Like, I only say that because <laughs> Lee got that for my birthday. So. Good. They finally learned. It took them a while, though. Anywho's, no, I remember worry. back when, way back many moons ago, we're talking like ten years here. At least. At least. Oh, God, it makes me sad that that makes me old school. It was only ten years ago, and now it's old school. You're pretty old school. Oh. You're not old as old as old school can get, but you're pretty old school, and that's it, actually to your credit. It makes me sad that people who came into anime when Ranma one half was hot are considered old school now. I feel like Raven from Tales of Vesperia, like I should be waving my cane at people, despite the fact that I'm not that old, really. And he doesn't wave canes at people. Well, no, he doesn't, but but still. Well, He but talks about his old bones. If That's he had close a cane, enough. he would wave it at people and say, damn kids, get off my lawn. I'm pretty sure he's waved his bow and arrow at some point. 
Said, Damn Which is a lot kids, like a cane. Lawn. <laughs> Only nothing like a cane. Anyways. So, yes. This we is kept, so on topic. We kept it picked up. His copy. I'm like, this looks really neat. And I bought a copy as well at the same time. Took it to our anime club. Everyone loved it. And I never saw that VHS tape again. Nope. Never did. And I don't mind that because it means somebody else is enjoying that show. Probably not now, but at the time they probably did. If you have it and you're listening, if it happens to turn up in Basil's mailbox with... Uh, we won't say anything. We'll just uh, ignore it. We'll just be like, oh, hey, it finally came back. You know, we won't even point fingers or anything. Oh, it's okay. He has it on DVD now. Yeah, really. I don't, yeah. Even, I don't even really have access to the uh, tape Oh, man. Anymore. Eric was telling me that we were going to do... a podcast on my dear marie and kevin said oh you know basil's just doing this for me this is so obviously for me and i was just like no kevin no this one's for me this one is so for me although really Really? it's for both of us did i say yeah you did did i you did are you sure no because eric was there and i wasn't really there but I, I think I've, I mean, I think I've said, a, no, I think he was saying, he said, it, I think it was, well, I don't know. I think he said it was all about you, and I said, well, I'm a fan of it too, but perhaps this became. I don't know back how around. the story got muted, but the point is that normally we have pretty different tastes, but not on well, this one. We also, they were 11, and. Okay, shut up about Tana us having movie. similar tastes. Slayers. As long as it's not Mecha, we tend to like the same anime. Okay, yeah, so we tend to... I, I tend to not like Mecha. I like this show. Admittedly, I'm huge on Mecha. But when it's not a Mecha show I like, me and Douglas tend to both like Drug, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but that's an exception. Basil. Code, yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> just, just saying. I'm not saying. Look, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. So, my dear Marie... Oh, my dear Marie. I'll eventually my tell you what it's about. dear Marie. Okay, here's the plot of My Dear Marie, summarized in just a few sentences. It's about a boy who meets a girl who falls in love with the girl. But he's a hopeless nerd, so he can never confess his love to the girl. So rather than even try, he builds an exact, an exact identical robot replica of the girl. The girl and the exact identical robot replica... Meet. Hijinks ensue. The boy is named Karigari Hiroshi. I like his name matters. <laughs> You're going to hear it sometimes. Yeah. He's just the guy. And both the girls, oddly enough, are named Marie. Not to be confusing or even weird. <laughs> Only way to... Th- well, there are a couple of differences in the physical appearances. Uh, the first is that the real Marie has purple hair, and that's the main way you tell them apart. The secondary difference is that the uh, real Marie has larger breasts. Uh, no, the robot Marie. No, no, real Marie no, has bigger real breasts. Marie oh. has bigger breasts. Because, in fact, our hero is like, well, I'm not entirely sure because I obviously have never seen her topless. There's going to be some guesswork, and it's not quite to scale. <laughs> Uh, but Robot Marie is slightly smaller, slightly skinnier all around, and she has pink hair. Just to be, you know. That's really the only physical difference between the two. Now, there's actually a lot of character differences, which really brings up the question of how this robot that just got switched on had all this personality, but she does. I think it's one of the things you just shouldn't question, just go with it. Yeah, he created the... The best robot ever, and he just, did. He know. really did. Uh, this show has a lot of moments where you're watching the show, and you kind of go, "Well, how does that work?" And the answer is science with and, capital letters. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's not science. It's, it's science. science. Yes, like you have to point your finger up to the sky as you say science. Yeah, kind of like comedy does when you when he tells you know Simon to drill for the heavens. Yeah, you know, like the same yeah. kind of science you get in uh, this island Earth or Forbidden Planet or any other. Or Back classic, to the Future. Yeah, or you, you know, there's a moment where he's actually goes to actually make the physical body of the robot after he's done all this. Uh, after he's done all this, like, internal programming, after he's done all the calculations and everything, he goes to make the physical body, and lasers start to point down on the table where the robot body is eventually going to be. And you kind of have to wonder, how does this work? And the answer is... Science! And there's another moment where... <laughs> and yes, I'm going to go through all of them. There's another moment where she's gotten into the car of the sleazy wants-to-be boyfriend of real Marie... Uh, and he's about to drive Robot Marie and himself into a love hotel. And so in order to stop him, Robot Marie sticks her finger into the into the uh, cigarette, cigarette lighter of the car, and this somehow gives her the ability to force the car to go into reverse and slam into a pole so that she can get out. And you go sit there and you go, how did that work? And the answer is... Science! Also, you do this is in the... In the future. But it's now-ish, or even then, because this is kind of an old anime. It, it's... <laughs> it does sort of date itself when he buys the underwear via Home Shopping Network. Yeah. It dates itself with the fashion of what they wear. They all ridiculously look like they belong in the early 90s, but by early 90s standards, they're supposed to be in the future. Yeah. You know. The near future. Yeah. Which is... You can tell because it's apparently standard practice for all males to carry around palm pocket devices. Sort of like Blackberries and iPhones. Only but before iPhones, so they still looked like computers like Sailor Mercury had. Yeah. Yes. Indeed. That's about when they thought your cell phones were giant and the size of beer bottles. Oh, beer bottles. How I love thee. (laughs) But anyhow... There are just there are just several moments where it can only be explained by science. And then in episode two, episode two has a great character. What's her name? Hibiki Keno? I, all I can remember is Hibiki, since that's what they call her. But she's blonde, she's awesome, she kicks ass. She actually beats up the robot. So when people are sitting there cowering as what a badass this woman must be, she beat up a freaking android. A super android. Yes. I mean, she is superhumanly strong, superhumanly fast. Well, they they cover that throughout the entire yeah. first episode. Like they show how she, how M- Robot Marie, sort of accidentally becomes like a little mini superhero because she's trying to follow her boy. Her she's trying to follow her creator, who has by then assumed the role as her older brother, while he's out on a date with the real Marie. And she's trying to watch over him, and she just ends up being, like, miscellaneous superhero. Yeah. And then in the second episode, a normal human girl is able to beat her up. It's... Because she's that much of a badass. She's that awesome. And she has a reason to do it. Yes. Like, she has her own reasons. Personal reasons. Dangerous reasons. Aren't her personal dangerous reasons that she likes the main character? We don't want to... I mean, that gets... This Explained is a th- pretty this obviously. Is, this is a three-episode OAV series. We don't want to give away the entirety of the plot, because it's pretty easy to do. 
Well, it gets explained like within seconds of the episode starting. Yeah. Like they Science. introduce this Hibiki character, and then they introduce that she randomly crushes the nerd guy. This nerd guy has freaking awesome luck. He's got his robot little sister, who is totally for him. He's got yeah. real Marie, who is totally for him, and now he's got Hibiki, who is totally for him. So far, that's every girl in the entire series. It is, actually. It really wow, is. this is sort of like a little mini harem, and I didn't even realize it until now. Yeah, it's, it's the best harem show. It's the best. Hmm, I don't know. because, well, yeah. Well, I think the only one that might be able to catch up with is Haruhi. Is Haruhi a harem show? Yes. Sort but- of. Oh, wait. I Never mind. I was going to say, I didn't think Haruhi was a harem show because uh, because Kion also has Itsuki, but then I remembered, oh yes, male questioning his sexuality. That's in these days. That's yes. in. I guess that's also why Shinji in his harem has Kaoru. Dude, yeah. Kaoru's like totally Shinji's one true love. It's sad. I know, it's so sad. <laughs> We're, like, let's hope he gets more screen time in the new movies. <laughs> like, it's just sort of implied in the in the original anime, but in like the manga, it's it becomes more and more painfully obvious that the entire reason Kaoru uh, the entire reason Kaoru was introduced early was just to express how gay Shinji really is. Yeah, I mean, if he wasn't such a wuss, I would kind of be proud there was a canon, well, semi-canon gay mecha pilot out there who was, like, a hero. But But My Dear Marie is pretty great, too. My Dear Marie is totally heterosexual. Very, well. Very heterosexual. Almost very heterosexual. Oh, yeah, almost. (laughs) We're not even a... We can't begin to describe episode three. Well, let me try. (laughs) Episode three... At one point... I was writing a piece of fiction, and I needed to have a dream sequence in my piece of fiction. And my goal in writing my dream sequence was to model it as closely as the dream sequence in My Dear Marie Episode 3 as humanly possible without actually, like, copywriting. It's almost entirely a dream sequence. It's it's bizarrely, wonderfully... Lucid and crazy, and considering the show, it's the best dream sequence I've ever yeah. seen. Considering the show is only three episodes long, that's all she wrote. Well, actually, that's not all she wrote because the manga is much longer. But for the animation, they only had three episodes, and they really wasn't a way to wrap up the plot in any kind of any kind of way, real manner. So this actually was one of the considering you get a wacky dream sequence that is a very introspective of the character. Yeah, the manga really does go on. Like, if you if you re- watch this anime, if you watch this OAV, and you really like it, and you go out and you download the manga, which somebody actually, believe it or not, is translating currently. Slowly. Very slowly. But they are translating it. If you want to really go out there and watch it, there is more to the story. There is more that develops. Uh, but they couldn't do that in this three-episode OAV. So what they did is, rather than actually follow the manga, they did this great introspective uh, dream sequence on the main character, Robot Marie, which is the character that everybody cared about most anyway. Yeah, Guy was, like, absolutely unimportant in the last episode. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he was important as a side note to Marie. He also had the most awesomest, like, dream ever. (laughs) Where he teaches her how to be a real girl. I mean... I, I, I don't know, um... That's that 
as cheesy as it's gonna sound, My Dear Marie really did teach me kind of a life lesson when I watched it the first time because of that third episode. And the life lesson was, the older brother actually says it at one point during it, um, and that is that everybody's dream is incredibly important to them, but when you recite it to somebody else is probably the most boring thing in the world. At the time that I first saw My Dear Marie, I was in high school, and I thought that everything that came out of my head was brilliant. And hearing the older brother say that really caused me to sit back and think about what I was actually, about the little daydreams and fantasies that I had, and go, now is this really interesting? And it really did make me a better storyteller. And... Probably you're not going to get that out of this series, but <laughs> I did. And so that made it important to me. Now, was this Dream Sequence in the manga at all? No idea. No. I have no idea. I've never okay. read the manga. I do not believe it was. I've only seen the anime. Because that makes it even more impressive that they did this. Because a lot of actually, they take you know, stuff from episodes one and two and reincorporate it into this, you know, this new episode in really interesting and fascinating ways that makes you rethink how you thought about those first two episodes in the first place. Like, there's... For me, the most poignant example is when Hibiki, in episode two, is trying to outright rape-slash-seduce our big brother-slash-creator She wasn't quite sure what she was doing She wasn't sure what she was doing, but... She sure wanted to do something. She wanted to do something. And in the dream sequence, Marie is... You know, Robot Marie is doing this. And, again, Robot Marie isn't entirely sure what she's doing. Yes, I I think it's made very clear. She wasn't sure if she wanted to be his little sister, if she wanted to bang him. Now, earlier in the podcast, we were were sitting here kind of ripping on My Dear Marie about its science and how there's not really a whole lot of that in here. But at the same time... While it, it it itself tends to have a lot of fuzzy science, there's also underground, and it's kind of sad that Eric isn't here to, to point this out because he's the big science fiction fan, yeah. but it has a lot of references to other science fiction work. So if you're a big science fiction fan, there's probably a whole other level of humor in this series that you know somebody like me who's more into fantasy isn't really going to get. Uh, the one that I did catch was... During the dream episode, she as she's laying down in bed, you know, Robot Marie sort of giggles to herself and says, I wonder if I'll dream of electric sheep. And that's, do robots dream of electric sheep is a... Uh, Philip K. Dick. Yeah, Philip K. Also Dick popular... Blade Runner, if you've seen the movie. Yeah. As well as a bazillion other movies you probably didn't realize was his. Because they always change the title. Every time. <laughs> Every time. Mind you, they're not all cinema gems, but they're out there. Hello, friends. I'm Adam Now, my fingers don't fly, so as long as it's cold, the nose touched on close, not Jupiter's just way too 
I thought the art style was really, really interesting for this series. It, there's nothing quite exactly like it. You know, I didn't realize it until I went back and watched it for this, this podcast, but I think a lot of my art style actually was taken from My Dear Marie. Like, I try, I try to cite One Piece and Slayers as my primary influences, but looking at, actually looking back at this, like, I really do think... Yeah, they're, they're kind of unique in their heads and their ears... And they're very slender. They're, they're very slender. They they look a lot more like, if you can... Look, I don't know why I'm trying to describe this. You're the actual artist. I suck at art. If you if you can kind of... They were... My Dear Marie very obviously came out in the early 90s. Uh, and they have a lot of the same look that the early 90s anime characters had. Like, they look a lot like Case Clothes. They look a lot like, like Sailor Moon. Uh, they look a little bit like DBZ. You know, it's it's kind of an amalgamation of all of that, and it's a very good style. Um, it works for the series, and I think it comes off really, really well. I, I saw what you saw in Detective Conan with that. Yeah, but I didn't really see the DBZ or or Sailor Moon. Uh, the Sailor Moon comes actually into effect when you look at how their clothes hang and how their clothes fit. Yeah. Um, also, their hair is done a lot better than it is mm. in case clothes. The uh, the hair is a lot more reminiscent of. Uh, is a lot more reminiscent of Sailor Moon, uh, which has a more shoujo effect. And I guess I pointed to ZBZ because of all the awesome special effects. Yeah, I, I actually see the clothes thing because for some reason I noticed the clothes in My Dear Marie, and I noticed the clothes in Sailor Moon. I noticed the clothes in My Dear Marie because everything the characters wear was really trendy back in the early nineties. Yeah. Well, a lot of anime I watch and the fact okay, they're wearing clothes that goes just okay, they have clothes on their bodies, I just accept that. Occasionally yeah. I'll look at their clothes and be like, Well that's an interesting outfit. But even so this still has a real a real style all of its own. Well, we can you know, point out the very similarities with other anime. Yeah, well, you, well, it you can still point looks out influences. Different. Right. It's it's definitely its own thing. And while I think it does, at the same time, make it sort of product of its time, it gives it a little bit of a timeless look to it. Yes, I'll agree to that. There's really nothing else like it in terms of visual style. Well, not... The animation, I also have to say, was really, really good. You know, I know a lot of people sit there and they go... You know, I don't want to see anything that wasn't made that was done on the computer because the old school stuff doesn't look as good. This really does. These these three episodes were really made with the same quality that they would put into a movie, and so the the paint job is seamless. The lines are crisp and clean. The characters stay on model all the time. There's actually a great scene as a as um Big Brother slash creator is making Robot Marie where he's looking at real Marie for reference and he does this thing where he has taken images of her and he's rotating the images around so that he can get a, get a full 3D model for Robot Marie. It's like, it's, more, it's like a slideshow of pictures he's taken but in the sequence, and they're all from different places and times, they create a sequence of her head rotating around so it's got a complete model. And you actually saw the bits of animation as they were doing it. Yeah. The actual scenes, they were still putting these together. And it, it was really, it was really well done. And there's just, there's several moments like that in My Dear Marie that it's really an example of just the amazing work that you can do with hand-drawn media. And the music fits it so perfectly, like, the, it's a very neat, quirky soundtrack. I never noticed the music, which is probably a testament to how wonderful it is. 
Like, it's very... I can't explain. You'll know once you watch it. Yeah. But it's... It's cute. It's generally non-intrusive, but it does enhance the mood. Oh! I forgot about the one thing that we totally haven't mentioned about My Dear Marie that definitely sets it back to early 90s Japanese anime. The boobs? The boobs. The boobs. And that it has them. It has them. It has them. It has several scenes where Robot Marie is just like, I'm going to take off my clothes now. And she just like strips. And you can see like her nipples and everything and her boobs. And it's totally not sexual. It's just like a thing that happens. It's because it's a 90s OAV. Yeah. Because it's a, it was a directed video thing. Yes. They didn't have to care. Now we mentioned we hate fan service anime. That's just for fan service only. Yeah, like, th- this this anime has more fan service in it now than... And yes, I'm going to say it. This anime has more fan service in it than... What's that terrible vampire Rosario anime? plus vampire? Yes. Rosario plus vampire. The thing where they actually had a little panty counter in the side corner. It has more fan service than that. And yet it doesn't come off as being as fan service because every time the characters do something... It makes sense that they would do it. It's not like the wind blows and their skirt goes up. It's like the character's kicking ass, and while she's kicking ass, you see her panties. Well, the trick is with that is that Rosario plus Vampire, the whole point of the show is you get to the panty shots. Like, everything's built to to hit those moments. The only fallout of Japan going, you know, you just can't show that on TV anymore, was like, well, how far can we push the limit? And let's make shows specifically about how far we can push it. Yeah. Whereas, my dear Marie, it was obviously, that was just the natural conclusion that would happen if you did these actions. Right, and that was... Like, I really don't, I don't think that uh, my dear Marie would lose anything if they covered Marie up and didn't have her showing off her tits so much, but you know what? They weren't worried about it, so they didn't care, and they let her show her tits, and it, it was great. It was very unconscious, and it was very normal. I mean, she was, like, sitting there, topless, with, like, a USB cable plugged in, recharging, because her charging port was in, like, the middle of her chest under her boobs. She, she was sitting there watching cartoons, giggling while perfectly naked, while her big brother slash creator worked on her. It was perfectly natural. Why would she care? She's an android. I know. He probably didn't program her to care. Well, that you know what's strange is, you know, when I was watching it later with Barry, he did point out that for some reason this guy did program her to have some sort of modesty. You know when she's talking when she's talking to creepy want creepy boyfriend who wants to date real Marie. Yeah, what? and he's well. I think he just wants to get laid. Period. But yeah, he's yeah. the original pedo bear. Yeah, he is. he is. Oh my gosh, he really is. Uh, during the dream sequence, uh, Mer- Robot Marie is constantly talking to these various animal characters, and they are constantly like every frame where it cuts away and then cuts back, it'll like be him. And then be the animal character, and then be him, and then be the animal character. And it just points out what a creeper he is. He's the original yeah, pedo bear. He will shift, well, between the aforementioned bear and then, like, a, a hungry-looking wolf costume and back and, and, and forth. And a bunny. And, and a bunny. It's a like, bunny. He, like he looks harmless, but he's really a horrible wolf. Yeah. And really, this show is just fun. It is it, fun. It's great fun. Like, it, it's really hard to see. You know, a lot of times, shows forget... To be fun. And my reading never, ever forgets that. Mm-mm. And it's, it was just, it's, I don't think I've ever called much anime refreshing. Yeah. But My Dear Marie is that. It's, uh, 
My Dear Murray still, I, I still hold that My Dear Murray has a lot of heavy stuff in it, too. Like, you can be heavy without being heavy-handed. And yeah. My Dear Murray is a prime example of that. Um, for example, in episode three, my favorite episode, uh, at the beginning of the episode, Big Brother slash Creator character makes this little bluebird. And, he, and if you know anything about Japanese culture, there's a big thing about chasing the bluebird of happiness, and that's what this is a reference to. And he gives it to Marie, and that's what she names reality, and that's supposed... You kind of make the connection throughout the course of the episode that that's her dreaming circuit that allows all the dreams to happen. But ne- about midpoint through and at the very end, the uh, the uh, bird repeats, Yume wa yume janayo which is basically dreams aren't just dreams. And it's a really great little saying. Yeah, but the whole thing with the uh, her she's trying to catch her own reality. Yeah. And realizing what what is real, what is not in the end doesn't really matter. Yeah. A lot of really neat questions and and it sort of answers them at the end, sort of. Sort of. But in a way that you really 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 wish they made more. Yeah. Yes. You really yes. really really wish they I made did. more. <laughs> Can we go ahead with the spoiler warning? Do we want to give a spoiler uh, warning? There's really only yeah. one spoiler in this in this entire series. There is. There's only one single solitary spoiler, and that spoiler is what makes you wish that they had made more. Just because it leaves you on such a what the hell moment that you're just sitting there and you can't believe they ended the series that way. And the moment is right after this musical break. Welcome back. In case you so, if you've been waiting, if you don't want to know the secret spoiler, I suggest you put your fingers in your ears and go na 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 for the next minute or so. Okay, here's the lowdown. Throughout the entire third episode, Robot Marie is having a dream sequence. Well, she's actually having a series of dream sequences as she often wakes up in the middle to run go tell her brother about her dream sequence. Um. And during these dream sequences, she's dealing with the fact that her ro- that her brother basically created her as a sex toy, and really, that is what she she is. Just, she is a cre- she's a sex toy, unfortunately, who happened to encounter the person that she's supposed to be a toy of, and so now she's stuck pretending to be a little sister. And so she's trying to deal with the feelings of does she really want her brother, or does she want? Or does she feel like she's just a replacement for the real Marie? You know, does she want to try to surpass the real Marie? And in the end, it shows very clearly and very concisely that the conclusion that Robot Marie came to is that she wanted to be with real Marie. 
Yes. Or at least that's the impression we all got. Yeah. It's kind of hard to come to any other impressions, considering that the series ends when Robot Marie walks up to Real Marie and kisses Real Marie in the real world. Then the credits roll. Yep. And last episode. That's it. That's the end, and you're sitting there going, what the hell just happened? Why did they stop there? I choose to believe But it makes such a logical ending. You're like, well... It does. And they uh, all lived happily ever after. No, they didn't. Well, I kind of wanted uh, Big Brother to hook up with Hibiki. Me too, actually. Because after Hibiki's episode, you, you know, it's just... It's the childhood sweethearts thing, you know? Like, they had so much going. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I thought, I mean, I thought, okay, well, he should hook up with her. Oh, good, they've just made it so the two Maries could get together, and that leaves it open. Yes. The two Maries get together, and Big Brother gets together with Hibiki, and that sounds awesome to me. Not that anyone's asked real Marie how she feels about this, but that's what would have made (laughs) more good. (laughs) Oh. Well, the thing is, is that real Marie is such is such a stereotypical Japanese nice girl. Yeah. That I don't know that she would have been phased either way by any of the options available pointed to her, whether it be creepy guy that wants to date Marie, main character, well, not main character boy, but uh, big brother boy, or or robot Marie. Or who knows? Maybe there'll be other characters, you know. Showing up in the manga later on to continue this uh-huh. crazy love decahedron. Yeah, I'd read, I I would should read the real manga. I'd be very curious if you know Marie kind of supplants her creator as the main character in the manga, like she pretty much does in the anime. You know what's amazing is that we talk about this show, and a lot of the aspects that we talk about are kind of shoujo aspects. Yeah, like. We really talk about shoujo aspects of it, but it actually appeared in sh- in uh, Shonen Jump, didn't it? It appeared in... It was, it, it was a shonen. Thing. Young Jump. Yeah. Young Jump, that was... It was it. written by a woman, though, right? Or... Well, that's just Sakura like... Takeuchi. That sounds right, yeah. Well, that's just like a... That's just like Rumika Takahashi and True. the girl who writes Kakaishi. True. A lot of times when women write shonen manga, they tend to be kind of cross-gender manga, yeah. where they really have aspects that appear well, to both genders, and it's I, really better for, off for it. I do know, like, there is a, well, a fairly naughty aimed at older boys manga, Midnight Panther, that the artist and writer, she was a shoujo manga writer for a really long time, and she said, you know, I want to write something a little naughty. And yeah. went on to a story about three women who are assassins who often get naked. Well, my my only sadness about gravitation, for example, is that uh, Makimi, uh, Maki Murakimi writes some of the greatest doujinshi for her own stuff. <laughs> and while I hated gravitation while I was reading it just by itself, once I went back and I read like her doujinshi to go along with it, it was suddenly much better because it had gratuitous smut scenes. You know, the uh, the manga writer for the Mayotome manga is the exact same mm-hmm. thing. The downside is the Mayotome manga sucks, but that's, <laughs> you know, what are you going to do? He did write totally in-canon hentai doujinshi for it. <laughs> oh, man. So how many awesomes out of awesomes can Mon- one possibly give, my dear Marie? Robotic awesomes. Ooh. A, um... 
two different bondage sets of awesome. I'll give it science of awesome. Of awesome. That's pretty good. Good reflex. And I did all that without spilling my beer. And with that, I just checked online with Amazon, and they've had copies that you can buy sort of new for twenty six ninety nine, and a bunch of used ones for uh, seven ninety or seven dollars and ninety cents and up. So this is still totally buyable. Do it. You it's still worth can it. get it. You need to. It's worth it. It's a lot of fun. It actually um, upscales pretty well on high definition sets because that's how we watched it. Oh yeah, it definitely looked great. Like so, check it out. And with that, we're out. See you later. with the testing of what's I, going on. Yes! Get... Let the testing commence, for all is glorious in the light of the testing. My penis demands a voice test. No, your penis doesn't get a voice test. It has to be at least six inches long first. My penis demands a voice test. <laughs> <laughs>